Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Bill Press Pod. In the impeachment inquiry against Donald Trump, the public hearings are now over after testimony from over a dozen witnesses, mostly career diplomats, who confirmed that Donald Trump in fact ordered military aid to Ukraine to be withheld unless Ukraine agreed to undertake an investigation into former Vice President Joe Biden. Now, the question facing the House and the American people, did Democrats make their case? Did they prove that Donald Trump abused the power of the presidency to help his own reelection campaign? And is that an impeachable offense? You know, after Chairman Adam Schiff, Probably nobody watched every minute of the hearings more closely than CNN's chief legal analyst and New Yorker staff writer, Jeffrey Tubin. I spoke to Jeff earlier this week from New York. Jeff, it's always good to visit with you. Hi, good Bill. To, good to talk to you. Hi. So the public hearings are over. Uh, you watched every minute of it there on CNN. Do you believe the Democrats made their case? Well, I think the Democrats made their factual case. I, I don't think there's really much doubt uh, about what happened here. I think, you know, it, it is it, it is just true that um, the, the president uh, used this his relationship with the Ukraine with Ukraine for for personal political benefits. They, both the meeting uh, just demand demanding in return for. Uh, a meeting with the president and uh, the release of nearly $400, $400 million in taxpayer money, um, dirt on his political opponents. And that's, I think, as a factual matter proven, uh, the political implications of that seem much less clear. Do you believe it's an impeachable offense? Well, I, you know, I, I think, um, you know, the, the core of um, what the impeachable, what the impeachment power is, is to police abuses of power by the president. And, and I think what makes this um, whole chapter so important is that it, it goes to the heart of abuse of power. You know, you or I cannot um, commit you know, can't do what, what the president did here. You know, we don't have the power to withhold $400 million in taxpayer money. Um, we, um, th this is a power uniquely within the president, and this is a unique uh, abuse of power, and that's why I think it's so serious. What did you think of the Republicans, the various attempts of of a defense line of defense that we heard from the Republicans. Well, you know, I, I, there there were there were several different ones. Uh, each, <laughs> right. each, hard to keep track, right? But you know, each of which fell victim to the facts. Um, 
you know, the, the first line of defense was, well, these witnesses don't say anything about Trump's behavior. They're just second and third hand. Um, then then there was like, well, there's no, there's no proof uh, of, of, of an actual exchange of, um, you know, taxpayer money for political dirt. And then, you know, you, you had testimony to that effect. And, and, and I think, you know, what, what the Republican defense is, is like, we're Trump people and we're going to support him. And, (laughs) and I think that's really the, the, the defense here. Um, I, I don't really think it's it's based much on the facts, but, you know, given that impeachment is much more a, a political process than a legal process, you know, it, it, it certainly seems likely to keep him in office. Right. Was there any one witness uh, that you believed was the uh, uh, either the star witness or the most convincing, the most credible who really changed uh if any minds were changed, you know, I, I don't think many minds were changed. And I think what was unique about these hearings is that they all essentially said the same thing. I mean, there was no yep. contradictory evidence put out. For me, the most revealing moment in the testimony came, came very much towards the end, which was uh, the testimony of David Holmes, the, the, the political officer, the Foreign mm-hmm. Service officer. Uh, in Ukraine, who was talking about this peculiar lunch the, that he was having um, with uh, Ambassador Sondland after, you know, the day after the phone call with um, uh, between the, the two presidents. And, and what I found so meaningful was not his uh, over, uh, was not his um, uh, the overhearing of the, of the phone call with the president. It's what Sondland said mm-hmm. to him afterwards. And, and uh, not surprisingly, Holmes said to Sondland, like, you know, tell me about the president. Tell me what's going on. And he said, well, you know, he only cares about the big things. And Holmes says, well, yeah, Ukraine is a big thing uh, because the, the Russians have invaded and it's an important you know, place. And, and Sondland says, no, no, no. What what the president means by important is, you know, someone who can help him politically and Ukraine, um, you know, can help him politically by giving him this dirt on, on Biden. And I think that was a completely accurate summary of what really went on here. The Washington Post reported Sunday that after Donald Trump placed this hold on the aid, there was a sudden scurrying of emails, flurry of emails within the White House, the chief of staff to the White House counsel to OMB. How can we defend this uh, this hold, legally defend it? Uh, is this additional evidence? Is this another factor that Democrats, do you think, will, will weigh heavily? You know, I, I think the Democrats have made up their minds already. Uh, so I don't, <laughs> right. I don't really think that this is going to change much. I, I think it was a revealing story in the post because, you know, what, what, what has gone on frequently in this administration is the president has done something impetuous, violating, um, you know, norms, if not laws. And then the white house has scrambled to find a justification for what he did. Uh, this is right. just the most high profile, um, uh, example. You know, what, what's what's frustrating but also revealing is that there is so much evidence out there uh, about this incident that 
we are never likely to see, like the emails discussed in those uh, discussed in the Washington Post story, like the testimony right. of John Bolton, like the testimony of Mulvaney, like the testimony uh, of Secretary Pompeo. All of that, um, you know, in a normal fact-finding inquiry, you would f- you, you would have access to. Here, of course, we don't. Which leads to now we are talking with uh, Jeffrey Tubin. Uh, on Monday morning, later Monday, a judge, a district judge in Washington is set to rule, has promised she's going to rule on whether former White House counsel Don McGahn must answer a congressional subpoena. So, Jeffrey, um, give us your take on if she rules, yes, he must. What's the impact of that? If she rules, he can get away without it. What, what does that mean? Well, you know, I, I think this whole subpoena litigation is a good example of the difference between sort of the laws on the books and the laws in the real world. Um, the, um, I mean, this is an interesting legal issue, and, and I, I assume that she will rule in favor of Congress because I don't really think there is any legitimate reason for him to decline to testify. But regardless, um, he's not going to testify because this will be on appeal and the mm-hmm. clock will be ticking. And, and and so, you know, what the White House has done by interposing these legal objections to um, the uh, to, to any sort of cooperation, they have made it a fait accompli because of the length of litigation. So even if um, the, the House of Representatives wins this case in the district court. It'll go to the D.C. Circuit, and and just you know right. weeks, if not months, will pass, and, and and the impeachment decision will have been made. So that's what's so significant about this litigation, not that mm-hmm. it, it, not not the, the merits of the case. Do you think John Bolton could take an affirmative decision that yes, uh, McCain must testify? Uh, as an excuse, if you will, or a green light for him to volunteer to testify well, in front of Congress. John, John Bolton could do that tomorrow. He doesn't need a yeah, court right. to do that. I mean, what's so outrageous about Bolton's behavior is that he sold this book for all this money. He's giving speeches around the country on this subject, but he's not testifying to Congress, while his subordinates like Fiona Hill uh, and Alex Vindman have testified. Um, so, I mean, I just find his behavior, you know, really outrageous. On a related issue, we also learned over the weekend, the defense secretary, Mark Esper, told the uh, secretary of the Navy, Richard Spencer, he must resign because he dared disagree with Donald Trump's uh, interfering in this mili- matter of military justice, particularly with the Navy SEAL. How do do you rate this action by the president in terms of overturning decisions made by military courts? Well, I mean, I, I, you know, I I can't claim, you know, I try to not talk too much about things I have not, I'm not an expert in, and I'm not an expert in the military justice system. But, you know, the the president is the commander in chief of the military, and I don't think there is any doubt that he has the legal right to do what he did. I think, you know, a president acting on um, the basis of what he sees on Fox News, it's not unlawful, but it's just another violation of the norms that other presidents have been been ba- you know considered themselves bound by. Um, 
I, so, so, you know, I, I, I don't think this is un, unlawful what the president did, but it's just, it, it's just a violation of the norms and customs that presidents of all parties have, have considered themselves bound by for, for decades. And maybe just the latest reflection of the president's overall view of the rule of law, right? I mean, as practiced by this administration by, and by him, where he famously once said under the Constitution, Article 2, I can do whatever I want. Right. And, and, and you know, it's interesting. I, you know, I'm writing a book about all this. And w- uh-huh. one, of the, one of the things that, that you often hear from the president's enablers is, well, you know, he's new to this. He doesn't really know the customs, the traditions. And, you know, people make excuses for him as if it's like, okay, if you're president and you violate norms and and rules uh, because you're ignorant. And, you know, I don't really think that's legitimate. And his uh, attorney uh, famously in court uh, suggested that, yes, if he did shoot someone on Fifth Avenue, uh, he could not be charged as president. Has that ever been tested? Is that, in fact, true? No, it's it's never been tested. I mean, it, it, I mean, what's what's really the, the most extravagant aspect of the of the president, the claim of the president's lawyers is not that he can't be prosecuted, which I actually have some sympathy for. I, I am the, the Department of Justice. Uh, policy, you know, which from you know, which was established in the 1970s and, and reaffirmed uh, in, in the Clinton years, that that the, the federal government can't prosecute the president of the United States while he is president. I, I really don't think that is a, a, a bad policy. What's so outrageous is that they're claiming he can't even be investigated while he's president, right. and that to me, I mean, because that. I mean, it, it you know puts him completely above the law, and 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 that's something just not completely outside uh, our traditions. Uh, and 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 I think even this Supreme Court uh, will not will not uphold that. Uh, just on that point, and I know uh, we're just about out of time, but I do want to ask you because you've written about the Supreme Court, you follow the Supreme Court. What's your reading on this court with Kennedy gone? Is John Roberts the the person we trust as the uh, swing vote here to prevent the court from going too far right? How do you read well, the current court? I, I don't know if, if you, <laughs> you can decide whether you trust him or not. He is certainly <laughs> now the middle of the court, and the middle of the court is considerably to the right of where it was with Kennedy as the middle of the court. Uh, uh, you know, Roberts is unquestionably more conservative than Kennedy. And, and if you look at their votes, whether it's on gay rights or abortion or affirmative action, you know, Kennedy, uh, Roberts has been to the right of Kennedy. Now, Roberts is more to the center than any of the other four conservatives on the court, uh, Thomas, Alito, uh, Kavanaugh, and Gorsuch. Gorsuch. So, so by... Um, by default, you know, he is the center of the court, but the center of the court has moved right. I mean, I, I think Boy. it's as simple as that. In, indeed. Um, the definition of center changed radically right. yeah, there, yeah, right? Yeah, that's for sure. Exactly. Yeah. Jeffrey Tubin, always good to spend time with you. Thanks right, so much. We'll, we'll see you on CNN and in The New Yorker. I hope so. Okay. Bye. Thanks, Jeff. And now for a quick break here on the Bill Press Pod. After the break, I'll give you my take on how Republicans handled their defense of Donald Trump. 
Today's podcast brought to you by the Laborers International Union of North America, or LIUNA, led by President Terry O'Sullivan. The Laborers Union are a powerhouse of workers, over half a million strong, involved in both construction projects and energy projects in construction. They're building particularly infrastructure, new infrastructure, and repairing older infrastructure, roads, bridges, transit, schools, and skyscrapers. On the energy side, involved in building solar plants, wind farms, natural gas and oil pipelines, and new power plants all across the board. We salute the Laborers Union and thank them for their support of the Bill Press Pod. For more about their good work, check out their website, liuna, L-I-U-N-A, liuna.org. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And welcome back to the Bill Press Pod. You know, I was on the debate team in uh, high school, and I actually was the debate coach in, uh, when I was a teacher in high school, and I was on the debate team in college. And the one thing I learned about debating is you could tell sort of who was winning the debate, not so much by the strength of the affirmative, but by the weakness of the negative side. In other words, if they couldn't come up with good arguments against it, then the other side won. Well, look at the impeachment hearings. Let me tell you, the Republican defense of Donald Trump was pathetic. It was laughable. It was so weak. It was really embarrassing. So, you know, I, I've you probably may have found more. I saw at least 15 arguments that the Republicans made. Not one of them made any sense. First of all, they said, okay, Democrats with this whole thing are just trying to overturn the 2016 election. That's just nonsense. Come on. 
Yes, Donald Trump was elected um, <clears throat> thanks to the Electoral College only, but Democrats have never said he was an illegitimate president. They've accepted that Electoral College, but being elected or being <clears throat> uh, placed into the Oval Office does not mean that you've got a free ride for four years. If you abuse the powers of the presidency during that time, the Constitution provides for Congress stepping up and impeaching the president and even convicting him and throwing him out of office. Uh, secondly, remember, when the hearings first started, they went into this whole thing about this is terrible. The Democrats are holding meetings behind closed doors in the basement of the Capitol. They are shutting Republicans out of the process, and there are no firsthand witnesses. It's all hearsay. It's all secondhand. Every one of those lame arguments fell because, um, because they weren't true, number one. And as the facts came out, yeah, of course, they were meeting in the basement of the Capitol because that's where the secure room is, a secure room, um, by the way, created under the leadership of Republican John Boehner. Happens to be in the basement of the Capitol. Yes, they were meeting behind closed doors, which every single impeachment inquiry has done first, they meet behind closed doors. And by the way, a lot of committees still do that today. Other committees do that today to find out what the witnesses might have to offer, uh, make sure there are no national security issues involved, uh, and see what the lay of the land is before they go public. We found out, for example, uh, from Alexander Butterfield that the White House did, in fact, have a White House taping system in the Oval Office. We learned that behind closed doors before we learned it publicly during the Nixon impeachment uh, hearings. Uh, as far as Republicans being shut out, nonsense again. There were the three committees that were meeting uh, in those initial private hearings. There were 45 Republicans on those three committees. Every one of them attended, and every one of them was given a chance to question the witnesses. And as to no firsthand witnesses, no people on the call, that certainly changed once we got to public hearings, and that uh, lame excuse fell as well. So then the Republicans said, oh, there was no quid pro quo. <laughs> of course, no quid pro quo. Um, they lost that argument when Donald Trump admitted, yes, there was a quid pro quo, and Mick Mulvaney in the White House briefing room said there was a quid pro quo, in fact. So then they shifted to, okay, we have to say there was a quid pro quo, because the president just said so. Then there were several arguments about <laughs> trying to diminish, if you will, the impact of the quid pro quo, remember, which means aid for dirt, military aid for political dirt. That's what the exchange was. So they said, well, they got a, there was a quid pro quo, but so what? They got the money anyway. We've heard that a lot. Yeah, they got the money after the whistleblower went public to tell what happened two days later, he was forced to, Donald Trump was forced to release the money. He didn't do it willingly. Then they said, well, it's a quid pro quo, Mulvaney said this, but we do it all the time. No, no, no. Foreign aid is often conditioned on a country making certain changes in their policies, but it is not conditioned on doing political favors here in the United States for the president of the United States. That is absolute no-no never happened before uh, and should not have happened here. 
or that was a quid pro quo, but Ukraine didn't know about it. Again, that fell apart when we found out that Ukrainian officials did know. They were told, you're not, a get, not going to get your White House meeting. You're not going to get your military aid unless you do at least announce that you're going to investigate Joe Biden and his son. Finally, yes, there was a quid pro quo, but that was not Donald Trump's intent. <laughs> Again, crazy. I mean, Donald Trump admitted that he didn't want Ukraine to get off and get this money unless they did what he told them to. Um, and so, again, Donald Trump himself undercutting the uh, lame attempts of Republicans in Congress to defend him. Um, and then we found some more creative <laughs> excuses Republicans came up with. Notice how they're, they're floundering um, because on every side they're sort of undercut by the White House, and that's something they really can't defend. So some people said, well, this was just Rudy. He was acting as a wild man out there, and Trump didn't know anything about it. Again, fell apart when Ambassador um, Sondland testified that Donald Trump is the one who told him, Sondland, to work with Rudy and that Rudy was in charge of this operation. Some people suggested it was just Mick Mulvaney uh, who was doing this uh, wrong again. An OMB officer testified in front of the House impeachment inquiry that the word to them to withhold the aid to the Office of Management and Budget came from Mick Mulvaney, who told them it was coming directly from the President of the United States. Um, and of course, then Republicans uh, went to, uh, how Trumpian can you get? Uh, they decided, well, if they couldn't defend this call, they were going to just uh, smear the witnesses uh, attack them as never-Trumpers, uh, question their qualifications, question their loyalty. They even attacked Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman, a Purple Heart veteran, uh, as having dual loyalty to Ukraine and the United States. Uh, and finally, Republicans, I can't believe they fell for this one, that it was Ukraine, not Russia, that intervened in the 2016 election. Ukraine was responsible. Mueller investigated the wrong country, uh, the wrong series of events. He should have been investigating Ukraine. And that landed with a thud when Ambassador Fiona Hill, who was Trump's Russian uh, advisor in the White House, remember, said called that a total fabrication that had been sold, packaged, and sold by Russian intelligence, and the Republican members of the uh, House uh, Impeachment Inquiry Committee fell for it, hook, line, and sinker, uh, led by Devin Nunez. Notice overall, first of all, how incredibly weak all of those defenses are, how ineffective they are, but notice most of all that none of them, not one Republican on the committee, ever tried to defend Donald Trump's phone call with President Zelensky, a phone call in which he blocked, uh, affirmed that he was blocking congressionally approved military aid and inviting a foreign government to intervene in an American election. That's what it's all about. There's no doubt that's what happened. No Republican even tried to defend it. Why? Because they can't. 
And that's it for today's podcast with CNN's chief legal analyst, Jeffrey Tubin, and with me, Bill Press. Thanks so much for joining us. But before you go, again, please do us a big favor. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the Bill Press Pod. Just go to wherever you check out your favorite podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or TuneIn. Search for the Bill Press Pod and click on subscribe. It's easy and it's free. And we only remind you to do that because it's so important. And by the way, don't forget to follow me on Twitter, at Bill Press Pod. That way, you'll get notice of all upcoming podcasts so you won't miss a single one. Again, thanks for listening. Always good to have you with us. Now stay strong, and we'll see you on the next edition of the Bill Press Pod.